Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is the fantastic Chris Fletcher, Operations Director of Pie Minister and All-Round Hospitality Champion. Coming up on today's show... Chris alienates his mum in one sentence. If someone tells you you can run your local pub and live above it, I think you're going to take that over your mum's. Phil confuses cool with boring. Cool for me now is is learning that there's cordless vacuum cleaners. And Chris and Phil talk Scottish nutters. So my best friend from Hard Rock, Dave Pellow, is also Scottish. And yeah, he's just a, yeah. Nutter? Yeah, nutter. All that and a whole lot more as Chris talks us through his story and journey to date. A massive shout out to the Landmark Hotel in London for giving us a quiet space for the chat. Enjoy. Well, hello, good afternoon and welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, your host. And today I'm delighted to introduce Chris Fletcher, who is uh, now 25 years in hospitality. Managing Director Ask Fletch, on the exec board at Pi Minister. I always say Pi Minister. So I got that right for once. Uh, And also co-founder of EXP 101, or is it EXP? Experience 101. Experience 101. No one can spell it. Um, Which is the new voice for a new industry. I like the sound of that. We'll come on to that later. Uh, Dad of three crazy Welsh kids, living in the hills just outside of Cardiff, a scouser on the red side. Of course. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to have this conversation. Uh, Loves family, food, sport, and walking the dog. (laughs) I'm a simple man. Very good. Chris, welcome. Thank you. So thank you very much for for joining us today. Maybe you could kick things off by giving us a grand overview of your career, your journey, how have you ended up where you are. We need a long time. Uh, So yeah, I came from a a background in hospitality. So my my nan, uh, my dad's mum, owned hotels across um, the Lake District, um, Scotland and Herefordshire. Um, sound like a very wealthy middle class young man uh, so I spent a lot of time obviously just hanging out in them when I was a kid hanging out with chefs hanging out with the waitresses hanging out you know just basically they used to allow dogs in so we'd take the dogs in we'd oh, wow. had the dogs wandering around in the car park it was very much the hotels there's one actually still it's called the Pilgrim in Hereford it's on the main road as you drive through and most people know it yep. but uh, yeah we, we spent a lot of time there as a kid so Came through school, wasn't that academic, kind of got through every level, GCSEs got through, A-levels got through, university got through, but it was I was scraping through each time, I wasn't really a biologist by any shot. Um, <laughs> so I kind of came out of uni not really knowing what I wanted to do, spent a year at university uh, working at Wimbledon at the championships over the summer, just earning a load of cash. I was, the, I was there the year the young lady... Um, Bet us all her tips, and she uh, streaked across centre court. Oh wow! Yes, yeah, so that was quite a famous year. It was the year of '96 when we had the the football there as well. So we had the European champions, uh, Germany, yep. were there, and obviously it was a big <laughs> big summer for the UK. But yeah, so I did that and kind of enjoyed it, and thought I found a bit of a calling because I could be me uh, and hang out with people and not feel like I was thick anymore. Because uh, I kind of always <laughs> had a lot of you know really bright friends. Went to a very good grammar school and kind of always felt a bit kind of underneath them, I suppose, for my own problem, I'm sure. Uh, And then ended up in the industry, went to work um, at Whitbread, at Beef Eater. Actually ran the Beef Eater in my home village in Heswell on the Wirral, uh, which was amazing. So I lived above the pub, even though my mum's house was five minutes up the road. But if someone tells you you can run your local pub and live above it, I think you're going to take that over your mum's. So I spent (laughs) two years there, really just having, it's the best job I've ever had. You know, Um, no responsibility in my mind. Probably did have some. Uh, But worked for a really cool guy called Andy, who was uh, ex-military, really still really good friends. And Andy taught me everything about hospitality, you know, um, how to have fun, how to influence people, how to, you know, make friends, how to 
get great standards and uh, get people to do what you want, really, which was always, always half the problem in hospitality. So, and from there, I kind of followed him around a bit through pubs, went to live in Hull. If you've been to Hull, I wasn't there for long. Uh, I, I do, I've never been to Hull. Well, there's a reason why. Uh, so I was in, <laughs> sorry, people from Hull. Uh, but I was in Hull for a bit at a place called The Catch, which is a really cool pub. It used to have a mast in it. I used to press a button on a Saturday night and the mast used to start swaying and all these pirates used to start singing sea shanties. It was horrific. So obviously right. kids wanted to press it every bloody five seconds. So if you work there, it wasn't fun. Yep. Uh, so I worked there for a bit and then uh, kind of came out, ended up in ASK restaurants, now known as Ask. Uh, so I was the first. I had this debate with somebody once. Yeah, it's, about it was ASK. I always used to call it Ask, yeah, yeah. and then somebody came into the room and said, uh, "I went to an ASK restaurant." And I went, "Sorry, what?" <laughs> well, we called it ASK. Adam and Sam K. That's what it stood for. So you know, and uh, we, oh, um, I, I started with Adam and Sam when they were there. So I was the first, I think, Northern general manager uh, in their rollout. So it was quite soon. I think they just done Leicester. I did Liverpool, which is where I'm from. Um, Amazing, great fun, no structure at all. Uh, kind of, they were kind of rolling out. I sp- they were on the first casual dining chains to yeah. roll out, I suppose. It's, thinking back, actually, I think it probably was. Then Pizza Express and Ask yeah. were probably the ones. Doing. Italian casual dining, obviously, was um, flying. And, and a first date location for me and my wife. What, Liverpool or? Uh, no, Ask. <laughs> okay. Or ASK, sorry. Good to say. My, the fun story about Ask in Liverpool, Gerard Houllier, um, as you're a Liverpool fan, yeah. uh, came for dinner one night and he was upstairs with um, all the medical team. And uh, he fell down the stairs all the way to the bottom. When he got to the bottom, I asked him for his autograph. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) because I'm not being funny. As a rad, it's very rare you get to hang out with Gerard Houllier. Timing. So, yeah, it was great. But um, and great fun with them. A great boss called Steve Godrich, who was my area manager, who really looked after me and kind of just a top guy. I think he came from Mitchell and Butler's or a pub background. But he looked after me and ended up opening all the restaurants for Ask across the M62 corridor, um, Manchester, Liverpool, Sheffield, Leeds. Uh, Hull again um, back to Hull uh, but yeah I had a great time and really didn't have a remit I was kind of like openings dude and I kind of used to go around have a flip chart go and go get drunk on the openings and hang out with all the guys make sure we did a good job and then on to the next one yep. so it was a really cool role and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I think as they got bigger they got more serious and they got um, sorry they were all serious yeah. as they got bigger they got they, they got a lot more structure and I think a lot more came into play uh, and I felt like my time was coming to an end because the rollout was slowing down in my area and um, yeah, and I, I ended up meeting at the Hard Rock Cafe, which was, I would say, the biggest day of my career uh, so okay. far. That's because, quite bold. Uh, yeah, 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 because I, I met a guy called Callum McPherson, uh, who was the VP of whatever, Vice President of Operations for Europe. Sounds very grand. Yeah. Like Hard Rock. I love a title. Well, me. Hard Rock was, you know, it was, uh, I, I didn't, I, I knew it was a burger joint. I didn't know anything about it really. And they, they had London and Manchester at the time. Um, sorry, London and Edinburgh at the time. They're just about to open Manchester. And uh, they wanted to go on a bit of a UK rollout, which turns out not to be a great idea, but they wanted to do that. Uh, and I met Callum in Park Lane, which is their first one in London. And uh, wow, I mean, I told him I was a Liverpool fan. Bang, in, straight away, which is just... The- oh, bang, he didn't hit you. Oh, no, 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 no he was right. like the happiest man. Then he said, oh, where are you from? I said, Liverpool. He went, oh my God, the Beatles. And I was just like, yeah, the Beatles. <laughs> and that was it. And, and from that moment, we got on really well. And um, he turned out to be probably the biggest influence of my career and working at Hard Rock. Uh, just amazing the friends I made there will be friends for life and they have um, if you've ever been there they have uh, mantras they have love or serve or take time to be kind and all is one that are three main things right. and I would question you if you can find anyone who's ever worked for Hard Rock who doesn't trot them out on a daily basis I, I, yeah I'd be amazed if you couldn't because we just lived it we absolutely lived it I worked I ran the um, backstage catering for Live Aid um, in Hyde Park wow so I served Paul McCartney Madonna The Who yeah very cool the night before Live Aid kicked off we had to build the we were building the tents out the back and all the catering 
And um, we sat in Hyde Park having a break. It was probably about half past ten at night. And Madonna came on stage and practised her set. It was about ten builders and me and the chef. We sat there and watched her. I mean, that's hospitality, right? Yeah, so yeah. We watched, we watched that. And uh, he was like, you think, and the chef is a Scottish guy from uh, who's, the hard rock, who's the hard rock GM in Madrid, a guy called George Sharp. And George said to me, wait here, wait for this. And then uh, the next guy that came out was um, Pink Floyd. And it was the first time that... Uh, I think, uh, I forget his name, that's really bad. The guitarist had joined them. Gilmore had come back to okay. play with them. Yep. It's the first time they'd done that in 20 years. And uh, they played comfortably numb to an audience of 12 in this huge arena in Hyde Park. And we saw that, you know, and I'm just a dude who runs the, makes burgers, that flips burgers out the back. So we did that. We did, you know, and did various other things. Did Hyde Park calling, went to Orlando for GM meetings, danced as they dropped checks from the ceiling, playing Pink Floyd money when you were getting our bonuses. Yeah. You know, took over boats in Disneyland, doing training sessions and stuff. Crazy times, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Ended up running one in Cardiff for them and um, took part in the UK rollout, helped out. Was a sensei, so I used to travel to the States and enroll new guys to the company. So um, and he used to go on uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, yeah. Franklin Covey um, session. So we used to go out and look after the new guys. So I'd fly out to Orlando and look after seven Europeans around the table and be their mate for the week, basically, and induct them. So right. very lucky, um, great time. So glad I did it and influenced everything else I did. And I had a kid while I was at Hard Rock called Shay, my little boy, my oldest boy, and um, changed everything, obviously. Two in the morning and changing nappies. Mm. wasn't working. Yeah, it works really uh, well with uh, hospitality, that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And also, yeah. I met my, I forgot to say, I met my wife at Hard Rock. So Kerry okay. was a, a waitress at Hard Rock uh, in Cardiff, So which is my well, my Welsh connection. That was so, nearly yeah. the Human League song then. Yeah, there nearly. you go. I met her as a burger flipper, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so we ended up... Um, together obviously we had Shay uh, a couple of years later and uh, yeah we decided that maybe my time for um, two in the morning and getting hammered and flying all over the world was over yeah. uh, which I kind of agreed with you know responsibilities changed and also he hated baseball caps for some reason when he was a baby <laughs> he used to freak him out so when the girls used to come and say hello he used to freak him out so anyway so I uh, left Hard Rock and joined um, a sporter as it was which is now Virgin Gyms yeah, yeah. and ran a um, ran a club for them in South Wales which is unbelievable I mean it was 4,000 member LTA club for the Lawn Tennis Association. We had indoor pool, outdoor pool, eight tennis courts inside, eight outside, big, huge bubble wear. Swansea City used to train. It was the best. Literally, I was like, oh my God, am I like the luckiest man on earth? So I had a job there and was the GM, but it was very weird. It was like area management because you had 15 different departments. You had health and beauty, swimming, rackets, leisure, family activities, F&B. What else was there? Um, God, many more. Many more, but it was like, so I managed a lot of heads of department. Yeah. So it's the first time really I've had to be multi-site, I suppose. It's the first time I've been having to manage different managers who are running different products. And that was a real challenge because you just, you know, it's like, wow, what do I do? All different characters. Like the tennis girl was mental. And then the family activities girls is like the most legal following. You know, she follows everything to the T because she's dealing with other people's kids. So, yeah. and then you've got the fitness guys who are all... As you'd imagine, you can't see me doing that. I'm doing muscles, uh, but yeah, they're all they're all. Interesting. That's the second time today you've made a joke about your, uh, your appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so well, clearly, well, you're a man of humility. You, you can ask a lot of um, uh, fitness managers; they don't actually use the facilities. I played tennis, I think, quite a lot, but you don't use the gym because the members are constantly on your case about something that's not broken, something that's broken, or the right. showers aren't working. Or yeah. so. And this was like a five star hotel, so it was very different. It was like running a hotel with fitness inside it. Uh, great fun, you know, did really cool stuff there as well. We had monster trucks in the car park. and We won Club of the Year the first year and I had the whole company come to us. We, t- we turned our eight-door indoor courts into the Company of the Year awards that night. And uh, we turned all the courts into a big conference centre, had lights spinning around the ceiling. Right. Uh, and I got to present to the whole company about how we'd won. And I got up on stage and I didn't do, um, I didn't speak. I basically said, oh, thanks very much for coming. 
hope you enjoy South Wales and uh, this is why we won and I pressed the button and I played a video and, and it was basically music um, with the pictures of all my guys all my heads of departments and their little CVs on each screen right. and that was it and um, I remember someone saying oh you know you when you stick a video on the screen I said it's not about that it's about you know, the guys that took part in it yeah. I didn't win it the guys these guys were on the table won it so it was it was a really interesting insight into what was coming into area management because you realise that you can win as a team really quick I've got I kind of understood people really quickly and thought yeah if I can influence at that level and get people winning in their own little worlds small wins everywhere then all of a sudden you've got a chance to do more and yeah and then I met Carluccio's I mean being a fitness GM I think you either go up into sales roles there's no area management roles if you're area you're sales and it's very sales heavy you know it's very membership heavy you've got to not let people leave and join people up so it's a bit brutal yeah um so i didn't fancy that because that's not really me uh so ended up yeah went to college years and spent the next six years as an area manager regional director director of operations for the south with probably the most authentic brand since hard rock i suppose in my journey because they literally italy was in its veins antonio was involved in the business daily um, and even when he wasn't involved he was coming in and telling us what to do anyway about his you know his favorite dish and we, our first operations meeting we had with them we didn't even talk about numbers we just talked about food Right. Ingredient service. It was. I was sitting there thinking, when are we going to get asked about labour or sales? Budgets. But it never happened. And, and I'm not making that up. We genuinely. Never, I was the first external area manager to join them, so I was. I wasn't. I was a newbie. You know, the rest of the guys yep. had come up from within, which Sarah really liked to do because I think it gave her control over standards because she knew she trusted them already. So and Sarah worked. Sarah Murray, who was my boss, was very famous for trust. Had to really, you know, she really wanted to make sure that everything was being done the right way every day. And her way of dealing with that, I think, was to control <laughs> control who was coming up from within. Yeah. Which I think, and actually, I copied a lot of that since I left there because you do have that bringing external people in can be tough. And you interview and they do really well, and then they end up in the job and you maybe got something you didn't think you were going to get. Yeah. So it, it, and you were saying yourself, we were chatting earlier on today about how you know internal businesses are looking a lot more internally. Uh, what they're doing but um, there's still room for great candidates and hopefully I was one that came uh, externally into Carluccio's you know and I did quite well with them so yeah, yeah area manager southwest patch then ended up doing the Midlands and London southwest London as well which is great since I live in Caerphilly so that was a nice journey every day uh, but yeah so but great fun good cheese yeah oh, great cheese great cheese not as good as the cheese in Carluccio's though in the deli yeah. but yeah really good ta- uh, really good times there and um Great fun. We grew from, I think, 38 to 100 while I was there in terms of size of um, sites. So it was manic and a lot of the openings obviously were outside of London. Yep. So I had a lot of involvement in opening stuff, which is taxing on the mind and the emotions because you're constantly looking for new people. And uh, we rewrote the openings program a few times to kind of have 20% internal people opening every business because it gave you that trust and that knowledge of standards and brands that when people ca- new people come in, they could be influenced by them. Problem with opening a brand new restaurant with a brand new GM, brand new head chef everyone's kind of doing what their own thing yeah, from sure. what they brought from the last time wherever they were at before so yeah it was a real learning curve great fun um, I'm probably friends for life again hopefully from there so and I think towards the end it was um, Sarah was going to leave um, and she was a big part of why I was there I really enjoyed working with her Aileen as well and Frank Bandura Simon Kossoff Simon had already left at this point um, really really great people all great guy great fun um, our head of HR Aileen Moody was an absolute nutter another Scottish person uh, and uh, yeah we're all, just, the yeah, all the same yeah and I think I think it's a trend yeah, yeah. so my best friend from Hard Rock Dave Pello is also Scottish and yeah it's just a, yeah 
Nutter? Well, yeah, Nutter. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so anyway, it was it was an interesting time. And I think towards the end, when you lose that authenticity and thing, and people start, and people are the authenticness of the brand, I thought, yeah. uh, you know, these guys make everything happen every day and they shared that amongst us. And because we loved it, we kind of shared it amongst our people and it worked. And yeah. I think the minute you kind of slice a knife through that, it changes. And, um, and you know, I'm sure it will go on another cycle. But at that point, it was time to go. So yeah, I yeah. always, always wonder about, that when uh, when a company is scaling so dramatically, mm. is how do you maintain that core message that you know the well, reason you, why it exists? You in the dilute first place. it basically. Yeah. Obviously, it's like pouring a tap and putting a load of bridges under it. It's going to dilute to different places. Yeah. And I think it is about the tentacles you have outside of the top team. So you've got Sarah, ops director, Simon at CEO, you know Frank, CFO, Alien, head of HR. Those four individuals alone plus a lot of people who worked around them and had office were key and they were influenced me daily. So, which then led to me influencing the same. And it was about keeping teams together. It was about not losing people. It was about stopping churn. And the churn wasn't like what it is now. It wasn't like that. Right. It, it was different. And it might be different because we were great. You know, and if you're great, no, who wants to go? Yeah. Where are you going to go? Where are you gonna, who are you going to join if we're the best? Yeah. And I think if every company had that mantra, someone said the other day, oh, if you... Um, what if we train these people and they leave? I think of all the money we'll lose. I said, what if we don't train these people and they stay? Yeah. You know, I've seen it a few times on LinkedIn. It's so true, isn't it? It's yeah. just literally like, you've got to invest them. And so we were sent to Italy. We used to go and pick grapes for the special wines. You know, we'd have competitions and the winner of this competition would go to Italy. Sarah used to have this thing called the hat. And if she listens to this, I know it was a lie. Uh, but she used to have a hat where she pulled the names out of. I hope uh, she is. I yeah, hope she is. Yeah, she pulled the names out of. And, um, and they would go to Italy. And um, I mean, I went to, I was in the foot of the Alps picking, looking at 100-year-old Prosecco vines, you know, then going out, getting hosted by these wine growers in their own villages, shutting down the villages for you. Yeah. So you get a hosting in their own restaurant. Oh, it's just words. amazing times. But that, was, that wasn't just regional directors. This was GMs, mostly. Yeah. Uh, some assistant managers, I think, as well. But, you know, going on um, lemon oil trips was one of the famous ones we used to do every year. If you sold the most lemon oil, you used to go on the trip. But no one ever knew about that, you know. It's a very internal thing. But I always wondered if you told everyone, would it make more people want to join or would it be? I don't know. Yeah. But I always thought that it was such a cool thing. I used to say to, I used to, say to Kerry, my wife, say, oh, I'm off to... I'm off to Venice next week. I said, what do you mean you go to Venice? I'm going to the college. She went, you're going to Venice? I was like, yeah. And I know now it's quite common. A lot of brands do these trips everywhere, but it was really real. Um, we were genuinely going to meet the growers who were going to supply us that year. Yeah. So it was really cool. Um, yeah, it's a great fun. And obviously met a lot of cool people like um, Liam, um, who introduced me to you. Yeah. So, yeah. And then after that, um, as I said, it was starting to change. So, and I wanted to be an ops director, I suppose. I was an ops director of my patch. So I had like 48, whatever more sites, but I really wanted to put my own stamp on something. So looked for quite a long time and didn't really find anything. And Pie Minister, uh, gotta be careful how you say it, came along yeah. and um, really fitted my personality, I think. I, I really liked, they were quite loud, <laughs> brash uh, and a bit naughty, I suppose. Right. Uh, if you can be naughty with pies and it really appealed to me. <laughs> so yeah, so it, it really appealed to me. So I met those guys and that was intense. I mean, it was like, I think it was three interviews, quite a long process as in long gaps in between um right. and then when i, I was going to say three three stages not yeah that long. well and, and i met i met them in um and they brought the whole board in to meet me so i was going i was applying to be on the board with these guys so they had five or six in the room at once and it right. was horrific i mean it's a small boardroom i was like wow this is intense and obviously yeah. from someone who come from something quite different it was weird but yeah and then i've just had a great time and then i think my my public outing on LinkedIn recently about why I've um, stepped down to just two days a week with Prime Minister now is, um, you know, is all there to see. So yeah. I have a young a young lad who's got autism and when he was diagnosed, what, I don't know, 
a year ago now probably I said to John the founder who's a fantastic guy uh, John and Tristan the guys that run it just said look I'm going to struggle to do the daily commute and be able to look after Nixon and be useful to you as in fully engaged and I suppose it's the most honest I've been in it with a boss in a long time because yeah. I really I just said what I was thinking and I, I think I was at a point I needed to it just shows you though what um, what a bit of mutual respect does yeah. Um, yeah and I think that there's um, it can go an awful long way I mean it's an old cliche yeah. respect goes a long way but it's so true in business if there's the mutual respect then you can have honest and authentic conversations yeah I, with I people. think I, we were saying before we were talking on the tube on the way we were saying about like being nice to people it's amazing yeah. how it pays back yeah. and it's not and you shouldn't do that that's not the right way to be nice just because you get it back yeah. but if you're genuinely a good guy or girl funnily enough people are good back to you and I, I think with John and Tris they're, they're so cool and they've had so many people I think come through their business who've become entrepreneurial because of them yeah. because of the way the nature of that business is very entrepreneurial they, they go after everything you know they don't rest in the laurels they're constantly looking ahead they're so structured and so organised internally it's frightening because yeah. from outside I mean compared to Carluccio's even they had amazing structure Really? Yeah. Quite early on. Oh, they've got some really good help. They've got some external guys that help them. So, you know, on the board, some people are involved. But the board of directors themselves, uh, Paul, Danny, Tim, Lisa, John and Tris, all amazing people. And um, yeah, I was really privileged to sit with them. Still am, you know, still get to sit with those guys on a a monthly basis and chat chat about what we're doing next. But um, yeah, I think I said to him, look, this is is me and kind of where I am. And John was like, do you want to keep one foot in? Don't just bugger off entirely so yeah I, I, I decided to keep one foot in the door and I do two days a week for them now which is cool and you know and of course I'm not just doing two days a week I'm answering the phone on my third and fourth day yeah. I'm answering emails when I have to uh, but I brought in one of my old colleagues from Carluccio's to be head of operations so she Tawani looks after kind of the day-to-day stuff that I was doing and I'm very much more strategic now I suppose in what I'm doing look after systems and right. anything new I put in but it works really nicely and it's given me the opportunity I suppose to kind of reset yeah, kind of gone home, walked the dog, as you said at the start, and um, really thought about what I need to do and how I can be present and still look after Nixon's needs with Kerry and support her and the other two kids. Sorry, I shouldn't forget them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it happens a lot, believe me. Yeah. Um, you know, really be present, but still, I've got a passion in me to, you know, can hear I'm passionate. I want to do more in the career, in my career. I love the industry and I just want to keep going. So started as Fletch which is everyone calls me Fletch it's another story uh, but everyone calls me Fletch so that's how I'm known in, in wherever I've worked for so which is basically my little way of giving back and being able to give advice to people who need it uh, I don't go around peddling it particularly um, right. but uh, if people come to me of course I can help I'm working to do some little bits of the Welsh Assembly where I support small SMEs small businesses under five employees I do workshops for them uh, with through the Welsh Assembly back in uh, Newport Way and then yeah I've been helping other other people Prime Minister sit under that bracket I suppose right now as, as that's Fletch and then the other thing I started was Experience 101 which is what we spoke about at the start which is uh, basically a bit of a finger flick um, to the industry bad bits saying come on let's we've got some really great stories to tell we've got some problems to solve we think the new industry is emerging yep. uh, it needs a new voice and um, I'm not dissing uh, the present media or outlets or whoever look after the industry but we really want to tell stories that people can engage with um, about you know whether they're having a hard time in work whether they're suffering with a turnover problem in terms of staffing whether they're suffering with a sales problem whether they're suffering with a, a problem that technology can solve we, we can help and we kind of want to be the conduit between the two uh, where we tell stories and solve problems it's our kind of mantra yep. and uh, and it's been amazing I mean it's been really well received We've, I mean I'm surprised every day every time I go into a meeting to, to talk about experience we, me and myself and Kira, my business partner, we're very passionate about it. So I think people are quite shocked about the way we are in the room. But hopefully that's refreshing as well because we're just we're just 
hate it. We know what good looks like, yeah, and we know what how many great people are in the industry, and I don't think they're really represented. We don't want to be a union as such, but just want to be able to give them a place where they can go and listen to a podcast, watch a video, um, yeah. come to an event, have a snooze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I've often wondered about this as a business owner myself now about um, if I am ever to to grow as a as a company. Is what do you what do you give to your people mm. to? you know, not make them want to come into work, but actually want to come in and do a, a good job. And I think that has to be a very, very open conversation. Yeah. It, there's no, this is what I think. I yeah. can impart my ideas, but I, I need somebody to come with their ideas. And if yeah. somebody wants to work six hours a day, but in those six hours, they're going to be tuned in and switched on. That's worth more than forcing somebody to stay there for 10. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's key now, isn't it? The engagement piece, uh, which I think it was ignored for a long time. Maybe because casual dining was so strong. Yeah. And maybe because casual dining was the employer of choice because everyone was growing. Wagamama, Carluccio's. Yeah. Uh, so you could Ask, progress. Yeah, everyone was thinking, wow, I've got opportunity, I can go everywhere. But all of a sudden it hit a wall. And um, I think engagement's dropped the kids are different now their learning is different they want to they want things now yeah they don't want to i mean i was talking to hard rock so hard rock opened their new site in uh piccadilly circus this year right the, the biggest open they've done in the world this year and um i won't tell you how much they spent on it. it's huge and yeah. debbie <laughs> debbie who's the head of hr there was telling me when they did they hired 300 people for it and um she said she's never seen anything like it no one wants to work nights no one wants to work weekends no yeah. one wants to fill an application form no one wants to do a, an on the job shift you know and you kind of get a bit of a feel for it yeah. she says it was literally like I want to start now where's my kit let's go and she goes and even the people I really liked she said were like that she goes so it has changed it's shifted and I think the industry is catching up a little bit yeah. and understanding and there, are, there is some technology which will help do that but nothing will beat human engagement in a I couldn't agree more if you I, haven't got good people you're doomed <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean you know you can uh, well, we've just been at an event right that's been yeah. talking about the very same thing and yeah. the um, you can it's one thing to to put posters up that tell pe- people what your uh, your company values are etc cetera, etc cetera, but if that's not seen through yeah. to some kind of human form then it will just get lost in, in translation it's, it's weird isn't it and that's why I refer back to hard rock being the most important part of my career because Take time to be kind, love all, serve all. You know the fact that I still remember them, let alone live and breathe them every day. Yeah, uh, is is really clear. And, th- and that phrase I used, if I can swear, it's shit, say shit. Yeah, uh, that that was told to me by Callum, the guy I spoke about. He just said, "Look, no one's coming to save you, mate. You need to, you can control your own destiny. We'll all love you. We'll all help you. We'll all look after you along the way. But we're not going to make decisions for you. That's yeah. why I pay you. You need yeah. to make decisions. So I think, and occasionally you lose that when you work in a big big organization. So many people making decisions around you. You're like, oh God, you know what? I'm just going to go with the flow. And you probably can for five, 10 years yeah. without getting noticed. It's frightening. Yeah. And for, for, an, I was, for an area manager, for instance, in that position, it's a really weird role because you're on the road a lot and you're in and out of business. You dip in and dip out a lot. You don't really finish stuff. You kind of yeah, I see cover over, stick a plaster on it and move on. Stick a plaster on it. I hope that plaster doesn't come off before I come back. And it, you spend a lot of time doing that. And the way to do it, obviously, isn't that? Is to spend real quality time with the problem areas. Yeah. And then focus on the, the guys who are doing really well. Lift them up. Elevate them. Yeah. Tell them there's no one coming to save you. Keep going. You know, yeah. run run over that hill. So um and it's a, it's a key. It's it's a personality trait or it's characteristics that you need to invest in and look after people. But I think there's a lot of money missing from that in the industry. I think there's a lot of money going on. Other stuff should probably be invested. I'm going to say it, in people. Yeah. And so yeah, but it's really true. You know how important are they? Until yeah. We go. So, no. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the uh, the the point that that you make about um, that people engagement is is going to be the savior of the yeah. industry. I spoke to somebody. Uh, not that long ago, actually, who was 
talking about uh, Generation Z and how you know, and I, I I'm loath to do this because I hate marking everybody with the same brush. Yeah. Uh, but if you wanted to just use that as an example, just uh, just for the purposes of this conversation yeah. and to humour me, um, <laughs> you you know, they crave um, uh, what's the word. Uh, they they want to be given that sort of. Um, I'm really struggling for words this afternoon. What's going on? Um, it's as well. What's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. I know. I need more coffee. Um, immediate recognition. Yeah. So um, you instant know, gratification. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Thank you very much. Sorry. Um, I, I maybe don't have to edit. I, I don't know. But um, and um, in actual fact, this is an industry that can give you that yeah. on a very very frequent basis. Yeah. Um, but that then comes to leadership and it, it you've got to get the right leaders in place and i think what this industry and this is it's been a victim of its own success in some ways because it's grown so quickly mm. so quickly I, i'm trying to think of another industry that's grown yeah. as quick and the delivery. need for people to deliver it literally delivery is 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 a good example of what casual dining did yeah. so deli- delivery uber all these guys what they're doing now is you know, it's on top i mean it's literally flying and out spinning off that are lots of spin-offs who are trying to charge less margin on charge. But but I heard someone tell me the other day that one of those big providers, I won't name them, don't have an L&D department. Right. Don't have an HR department within, and it's a massive, massive organisation. And I was just like, wow. Yeah. So who's teaching those guys how to present in a boardroom? Who's teaching those guys how to communicate with their, with their customers, to, with me, you know, yeah. with an ops director who's done it for 25 years? Who's teaching them to go into the room with me and behave properly or, you know, being able to communicate with me to get what they want, mm. you know, to influence me? So I, I, I think it's amazing. I, I, I totally agree with you. I think, I think the industry shot up um, and with that growth, you can't sustain it, right? You can, no. It's so hard to support those bits in place. And it's very ideal, idealistic of me to say, oh, yeah, you should do this, you should do that. But... That is where our focus should be now. Yeah. So on on rescuing the people in the industry, making sure they stay. Yeah. Making sure they get better and go on to do all the cool things that I've been able to do, and then for the guys that want to enter the industry, really show them show them what the, the stories I could tell you. I mean, literally, we need three hours, not one. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and um, and I think it's great, and I th- and I'm not alone in that. I, you know, those stories I've got to tell you, I shared them with other people. It wasn't me on my own in a room. You know, I had yep. 10, 50 each time that happened to me or great things happened. I was sharing it with another guy who's probably sitting in another room, someone like you, telling them the same. Yeah. It's just about getting it out there. And you're right, because the world is different now. We can share those stories, but it just everyone needs to listen as well. So it's, yeah, it's, that's uh, true. Keep listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that's that's a key point for me is that, that um, you made a point earlier on in the conversation about the fact that I think a lot of the time, and I certainly see this in mass media, not so much in trade media, yeah. um, is that the image of the industry is that you that you come in and you work long hours, you go into shouty kitchens, you are, you're either a waiter or a chef, and it's a stressful and high octane environment to be yeah. in. And whilst these these businesses do exist, my experience is that that's not the norm. No, it's not the norm. Um, and it's it's about. I, and this is, I suppose, why I started the podcast in the first place was to engage with with people who can tell stories yeah. of actually what happens yeah. and how much fun you can have. This, oh. this is one of the... the and, and I think every one of my stories involves a person, right? I think I've mentioned yeah. three or four bosses already yeah. who are worked underneath. And I don't call them bosses because they weren't, they were friends, right? And until the, till the day I die, they will be my mates, yeah. you know? And, uh, and they will have shouted at me like a parent. <laughs> they would have given me abuse, probably swore at me quite a lot, yeah. probably made me feel like I want to resign, probably put me onto caterer.com back in the day. Yeah. They probably, you know, was so nasty to me that I did that. But you know what? I always came back with the thought that I want to. I want to impress them. Yeah. And that, that now that might be something in me, but I was all. But I know a lot of people like me in the industry. So I think a lot of people I know will go. 
had, I've had a bad they are, the lows are low don't get me wrong the lows in this injury are low but the highs are under I mean who gets to watch Pink Floyd in the park you know like yeah. but the highs even on a Saturday night when you've just run a door with 200 people queue and you got through it that's as good as sitting in Hyde Park I know people won't believe me but it is yeah. it's as funny because after that you go and have a beer you have fun and one of the things the hard rock you always used to say was day follows night night follows day sorry they always say night follows day yeah. no matter how bad it gets and they were running the Orlando site in um, live Orlando live had I think uh, six kitchens and the lines were as long as St Mary Street and Cardiff added up together the right. kitchen line they were big restaurants right it's yeah 5,000 covers and um, they used to say to you don't worry it's going to get dark today it's not just going to change it's not going to be light all day you don't have lunch forever it's going to stop yeah. and it's just that realisation it's, it's a lot of mental healthy stuff which we never really talked about before in the industry but it's a lot of that stuff will will come into play that really psychology understanding that this is great fun it's high energy. Yes, you need to be a certain person to enjoy it. Yep. I definitely think that's the case. Yep. But there's a role for everyone. There's hope for everyone, I suppose, if you're coming out of school. Yeah. You know, so I, there's a chance. You know, we uh, talked about, obviously, the news that we've had this week about the um, uh, the immigration situation, yes. um, which is a totally different subject matter to, <laughs> to discuss at another time. But the, the one thing that I've always loved about this industry is that the barrier to entry is... Zero. There is no barrier. Yeah, but it doesn't make you low-skilled. That's no. the... Um, that's no, the, I mean, I, I, I think when she, when she said that yesterday, I, I generally was thinking hard about it, thinking, am I low-skilled? I'm thinking, am I, you know, I said earlier on that I wasn't the most academic guy, yeah. but I'm not stupid. And um, and I think low-skilled to me kind of kind of sits on a, a realm of being that, of accusing people of not being, you know, the cleverest chaps in the room. Yeah. And... Uh, I totally disagree. I mean, I think I said to you on the train that what, what hospitality gives you is hope. It gives you the chance to go into an industry as a waiter, a barman, a pot wash, whatever you want to be, a maintenance guy. Yeah. And you could end up a CEO. Of a, I'm not, I'm not, you know, you literally could end up a chief exec yeah. or own your own bar or own your own restaurant or own your own recruitment agency or it gives you hope. And what they did yesterday was just stamp on hope. And they just basically said, you know, well, <laughs> for all you guys that haven't got a hope, tough. You know, yeah, this is where it needs to be. So, yeah, I, I totally disagree with it. It's one of the reasons that I'm doing, we were doing this already with experience, kind of really tell, telling people about the great stories that we've got. And I think there's a lady called Rita Gilligan who is, who's got an MBE, who's the first ever hard rock waitress. Um, right. No, she's brilliant. She's parted from McCartney, Mick Jagger. I mean, she's got amazing stories. Um, we had a talk at our first event in London when we did our first experience event and she got a standing ovation. I've never, ever been to a hospitality event, you know, one we'd just been to and yep. literally people were crying in the room. Wow. And it's not because she was, um, if you should get her on here. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I think I'm, she's more I'm writing her name down now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, she, she's from Ireland and she basically talks about her, she is the epitome of people who love hospitality. She does it because she loves serving people. She really enjoys people having a good time because she looked after them. She still has a day called Rita Day in Hard Rock. She's 80 years old now. She has a day in Hard Rock where she has Rita Day where she serves three tables. Right. Uh, where she just, and you know, people love it and she's great fun. Yeah. But she has been through it all. Uh, when there were no, I mean, they had no male waiters up until I think early 80s. It was all female wow. truck stop waitresses. That's what they used to do. Obviously, can't do that now. No. Uh, but it was there. But yeah, so she was the first one. But she, if you listen to her talk, if you find her online, have a look at um, what she talks about. It's unbelievable. And it's it's only simple stuff. I'm really making it out to be bigger than it is. But when you listen to her, it really engages with your hospitality in a, in itself. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's amazing. And yeah, and the industry's full of those people, right? Everyone's got. I say everyone's got a Rita. Every yeah. brand has got someone who's been there for 15, 20 years. If they're that old, you know, who's done amazing things, but no one tells anyone. Yeah, it's bizarre. Internally, yeah. they're like royalty. 
Yeah. But externally, you wouldn't have a clue. I think, if you you know, the, you can't underplay actually what a skill it is to be able to <sighs> work with people to um, make people feel special. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's a... That's a higher skill. I think on the empathetic empathetic side of things, it's really it's a massive skill. Yeah. Most uh, multi-site people I know and GMs actually have got. Re- if you did an empathy test on them, I don't know if there is one, uh, but uh, if you did some kind of score on their empathy level, it'd be really interesting to see what the, where they score because uh, they get it. Yeah. They get it and they really take and and they take on a lot of people's emotions. I spoke about this in my blog. And they take on a lot of people's emotions in the industry. Their direct reports. And kind of gather them all up to make them feel better. But meanwhile, I've got their own life going on in the background, yep. so they have to suffer with themselves. So, but who else does that? I mean, what other and what other industry is dealing with wives leaving them, deaths, births, you know, whatever's going on, but live in front of your face, you know, yeah, yeah. on a day where you need that person to be in a certain position. So, and it happens every day in the industry. Yeah. But they just get on with it, and that's the another big thing that low skill people don't do. These guys get on with it. They go to work, they put the key in the door, and they just think, "I'm down one. I'm going to have to run harder." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, you know an office if they're down one doesn't really matter yeah and I'm uh, sorry I know that people are going to go oh you're being belittling them but it doesn't affect the actual operational pull of the office that day potentially but in the, in, in hospitality yeah that's a that's a big deal yeah. one chef down okay you know you lost 50% of your capacity yeah so all of a sudden you change so yeah it's really interesting there's some really high skills in our industry yeah Similarly. absolutely yeah <laughs> <laughs> So uh, you're a, a career man of 25 years, yeah. your, your own words. Um, 12. You must have had um, some funny things happen to you over the years. Yes. Can, can you regale us with anything that, that immediately um, springs to mind? My first girlfriend, actually, uh, my first girlfriend in hospitality was a, a lovely lady called Lindsay. And uh, me and Lindsay worked together and Ask. And this is the other thing about hospitality, you meet your partners, yep. generally through work. And um, we were, um, I was the openings manager, as I said, in Leeds, and we just opened Greek Street. And uh, she, uh, we were locking up and I said, right, I'll wait for you outside. We'll get a cab. We'll go out for a drink or something. She said, no problem. And um, she went off to do the last few bits, uh, went into the KP area. Then I went out and all the, and all the other waiters came around and goes, hey, we're going, we're going. I said, all right. So I went with them. I left her to her because I thought she'll join us in a minute. She knew where we were going. Yeah. It wasn't that evil. Yeah. She knew where we were going. So <laughs> I went there and um, I, it must have been like an hour and we were having a few beers. And I was like, what the hell is she? And we realized that what she, and if you've ever met Lindsay, you'd understand she's, Calamity Jane, but she'd shut herself in the um, KP area. And as she went to go back out, she'd taken the door handle off in her hand ah. and obviously was shut in. But meanwhile, um, <laughs> she's obviously banging, but we built all, they're all fire doors, aren't they? So they're all thick doors right. with porthole windows with double glass. So if you're in there, no one knows you're in there. Yeah. So it was a good, I think it was two or three hours. But when we came back and found her, she'd, uh, I don't know why, but she dressed her head in blue roll like she was some kind of like um, Indian. I don't know. Like she was like a tribe member with her blue roll <laughs> armed with a frying pan ready to attack someone because she thought, obviously, someone because she hadn't locked the restaurant. Right. So there were people in the restaurant wandering around who shouldn't have been there. So that was a great story. Another one was um, the Hard Rock Cafe where um, we got broken into one night and um, I got called at home, which is another joy of being in the hospitality industry. Yeah. I got a call to come to the, uh, the restaurant to um, see what was going on. The police greeted me at the front door and said, look, it's not normal, this. You, what you're going to see right now is not normal. And I was like, okay. I said, uh, but uh, just take it as you go. And as I walked in, it was Halloween. This helps to tell the story. I was walking up and we had a long alley called Drum Alley where were lots of drum skins from famous drummers, memorabilia on the walls. Right. And all the way up Drum Alley were a bunch of kids, um, 18 to 22-year-old kids, dressed as ghouls, witches, uh, you know, <laughs> green faces, blood pouring from them, all the way down, all looking very guilty. And I was like, what the hell's going on? So we're like walking through. And I got to the end of the line, there's about 25 of them. It all lined up in a row. And um, one said, oh, yeah, we lent on the door and it just opened. 
So we came in and they and they didn't steal anything, right? Yep. And they made they made themselves a pint each and they sat around the bar, they found the music, they turned the music on, and they just had a little bit of a party. Yeah. You know, but um <laughs> and I remember the policeman saying, Do you want to press charges? I was like, No, I don't. No, I don't. They should be on their way. It was on the bar. yeah, it was, it was a funny experience, but obviously not um not I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't go pouring yourself a pint if, yeah, uh, yeah. if a door just Well, yeah, if you get dressed as a ghoul, yeah, don't break into a restaurant. Yeah. Um biggest lesson so far? Uh Probably um, not following my gut enough, I suppose, when I was younger. Right. So uh, not really get when I, a lot of the time people know the right decision. That's why we have bosses because bosses go, yes, that's the right thing to do. So you ask them and they say yes. Yep. So I think what we all need to do more of is just go with it. And it, there'll be a lot more mistakes made, but there'll be a lot more learning quicker. Yeah. So I would say the biggest thing, especially with people, I, I always knew the right answer. I kind of knew I need to deal with that person, but I, I always took too long to get to it. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a common thread, I think, that's with a lot of people. They just don't... People don't want to upset people. So, yeah. um, but I've learned now just to be more honest and just tell people straight away, you're not very good. Right. <laughs> or I can help you, you know? Yeah. Or I can do this for you. Or you're great. What are you doing? You need to move forward. Yeah. So why are you sitting here when we can get you to another level? So so being honest and really uh, just addressing your gut yeah. um, is important. The, um, I think one of the things I've learned is, is that um, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm a massive fan of this program that's on Channel 4, the SAS um, Oh yeah. Where they put uh, You're not going the to talk about interrogation, are you? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Yeah, that's a that's a subject for another matter. Yeah, uh, um, but the the guy who is kind of like the centre figure of of that. There's a, there's four of the the, the main ex SAS yeah. guys, but he 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 actually uh, I've read his book and uh, he talks about the fact that that everything that you want is on the other side of fear, but I've always thought that the same thing applies to risk. Um, if you uh, if you you know if you don't take risk you'll never know what you you what could have happened yeah. and um i think this is definitely more prevalent to me now that i've turned the wrong side of 40 yeah you become very aware don't you yeah yeah and um it's just it's the same principle for me as well that i think a lot of people these days are not willing to work through problems mm. and but the best learning is on the other side of that all day problem yeah um, and you would then look back at that problem in five years' time and go, God, why was that? I think it is strange, even... isn't it? And I, I think we were, someone was talking before, as, you're, as you get older, obviously your natural progression, if you're any good, you move up through the ranks of any business you're in and you end up at the senior position. And then you start looking backwards and you think, and you do kind of laugh at yourself, almost thinking, why do I do that? Or why didn't I do that? But at the same time, I suppose when you're young and you're growing up, um, what you consider risk is totally different to what the next person does. Yeah. Risk often sometimes is a stupid decision uh, that you may make. But I think, you again, you're right. If you, To do it is to learn. Yeah. You know, there's a I see, I do, all that stuff that was taught in the colleges. But yeah, once, you, once you've actually physically done it yourself, it's like having a kid. Once you've changed the nappy a few times, you kind of get it. Yeah. Before that, it's the scariest thing on earth. Yeah. But, you know, and, um, and then you're kind of thinking, hurry up, get out of nappies. Then you go and do it again. Is that yeah. the sign of insanity? <laughs> yeah, same thing over and over again. Having more kids, but yeah. yeah. So um, you've transitioned a little bit in yeah. the, um, and I mean that in a work sense. Yes, uh, before we uh, go we into just, that, yeah, but, put an NB on yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what does what does the next year hold for you? Um, hopefully, a bit more calm. I, I say that I don't want to be boring and calm, but I've got at the moment I'm spinning plates. I've just come. I'm kind of still very connected to Prime Minister. Obviously, I still really care about what happens there, and my team is still my team there. So that that's going to take time to still transition into the fact where I'm in a position where I'm very strategic and Tawani's looking after the operations. So yeah. that's that's an evolving beast, and we'll take a few more months to get to where it needs to get to. Um, in terms of my consultancy and experience, 
I just want to keep meeting great people, I think. And um, every meeting I have, every time I bump into someone new, doors are opening. And um, sometimes you think, I'm really lucky. You know, you sit on the train on the way home from something. But I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky. But then Gary Player said, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and it's I was one thinking, of the greatest sayings of all time. Yeah, and I think I've worked my bloody ass off, you know, in, a, in this industry. And I really have. And, I, and you very rarely say it to yourself. You very rarely say, I've worked bloody hard. I deserve some luck and my, Kerry said to me this is all the things you've been working for you know this is this is the ultimate goal this is where you're going to get to I don't think it'll stop I don't think hostility is going to stop for me anyway I don't think the next year two years three years will ever yeah. stop it's in my blood as in you can blood. tell yeah. I, I'm stuck you know and, and happily stuck and um, yeah I think I just want to do a bit more I'd love to give something back to the industry that's what experience is about and yeah. without sounding like Bob Geldof I want to really leave a mark on it and do something cool for the industry and I mean cool not good yeah, something that the younger guys are going to go. Yeah, this is all right. We can use this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, rather than my lot are all done with me. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? The uh, what we find cool is not necessarily. Yeah, I'm don't the, worry. I'm, I'm taking <laughs> advice on that from my kids. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think leaving if I could sum it up, leaving an impact um, over the next few years, especially with experience, would be great for people to look back and say, "Yeah, I've been to some of those events. They're really cool." Yeah, That'd yeah, be great. The um, yeah, the the cool for me now is is learning that there's cordless vacuum cleaners that um, can, can hoover up the dog's hairs easily well, when I was telling you about <laughs> David Pellet from Hard Rock he has a he showed me on a we were on a, he's in, he moved to Miami recently because he's just taken over the global role for Hard Rock and um, he said the coolest thing he did when he got there he found he had a robot hoover in his house which right. go, which follows the walls around. He literally filmed it and sent it to me. I was like, "This is amazing, mate! You've just moved across the world to Miami, the, probably the coolest place on the planet, and you're showing me your robot Hoover." So yeah, yeah it just shows that it all starts to be. It happens. Yeah. It happens absolutely. Um, okay, so um, maybe you've kind of covered this, but if you could give yourself one piece of advice, looking back on how you were all the way back at the beginning, or if you were starting out again. What would you tell yourself? Uh, I would use my famous phrase, which is now out everywhere on my blog. If it's shit, say shit. I think it's my mantra that I always had inside of me, and especially for my mid-twenties, I suppose, but um, never really called it out. I think calling things out is so healthy for everyone. Yeah. Uh, for my kids, I do it all the time. I'm very direct with my kids. Some people don't agree with it, but I tell them everything. You know, I tell them the truth all the time, and sometimes they don't like it. Yeah. You know, but it is what it is. And um, well, That's the world, right? Yeah. And, well, it is, and I don't want to fluff it up too much because when we were kids you could do that because we were protected yep. but now they can find it in a second on social media or wherever you know wherever they are or their mate down the road has already got Instagram and all the other things is going to tell them what's going on so I'd rather just be honest so I think yeah just calling out everything that I can do not, not walking in the street just shouting at people randomly yep. but really helping advising people and saying look this is how it should be and I wish when I was younger I got to where I wanted to get quicker I suppose there's always that impatience, especially when you pass 40, you think, yeah. could I have done more before I got to this point? And yes is the answer. And I think most people would say the same. Yeah, for sure. But again, would I swap it for the world? No, I've had a blast. It's yeah. been brilliant. That's a journey, right? Yeah. The, um, oh, it's, it's not over. It's a cleat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're just uh, halfway there. Fat lady is not singing yet. No, absolutely. <laughs> so what what advice would you give to, to anybody that's listening to this, that's contemplating a, a career in hospitality? What, what would you say to them? Uh, I would say go for it because uh, there is no other world where, as we said before, where you can escalate yourself quite quickly. Um, in the same way, be prepared because it's it's not easy. You yeah. know, it's not a quick. I think a lot of guys came in during the casual dining growth where they thought I can get to GM and area manager really quick, and they wanted that, and some actually achieved that. Yeah. But then I've gone. You know, they've kind of fallen out of the industry. So I think it's really about uh, work hard, go for it, and be prepared to move. I think one of the things I learned in my career. Be- once I'd had, once I met Kerry and we had Shay, I, I kind of stopped moving around. I kind of 
base myself in South Wales and not move for the kids really you know and because it's nice it's lots of sheep yeah um, but and I cheese think, yeah and cheese obviously yeah, yeah. as you keep saying yeah. um, but the uh, the big thing for me as a, as a youngster growing up in the industry was moving I used to move a lot I had council tax bills in every city, every city in the UK but I moved a lot because I took opportunity and I think that's the thing if you if you want to grow and want to do well and want to you know get all these nice things that you want in life yep. then you can do it but you're going to have to be flexible yeah. yeah and I think employees are being a lot more flexible but I think the employee don't forget your role in this you have to be flexible too so if they can grab an opening in Leeds then go to Manchester then go to Derby or go to you know go over to Spain and do whatever or join a you know a global wagamama and go and work somewhere in the states then do it Yep. God, what you're waiting for? Because you're only going to sit there in ten years and regret. I mean, everyone's going to hate me. All these employees think I'm going to lose all our long-term employees. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's really important they take opportunities as much as they can because it's it's because it is this industry. Opportunity yep. is is key. Yeah, Chris was directly responsible for a spike in uh, staff turnover in all of our businesses. <laughs> That's kind of not what I wanted to leave on the yeah. mark. <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely. We definitely the tongue is firmly in cheek. Yes, uh, on that one. Um, great. So if. Somebody wanted to reach out and say hello and pick your brains on anything that you're doing. How, uh, how would yeah, they do that? I have a myriad of websites that I'm responsible for, but um, you can you can get me on uh, Chris at askletch.com or through the website askletch.com, yeah. uh, which is uh, where I'm at mainly. Then um, anyone who wants to talk on our stage or tell us a really cool story, then grab us on social and experience one on one, which is uh, kind of the place where we're, all those stories are told. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Chris Fletcher, thank you very much for your time. Really enjoyed it. Really good to chat. Thanks, mate. See you around. So there we have it. Some great insight into the journey of an operations director. A big thank you to Chris for being such a superb guest. Don't forget, we'll be launching a new episode every Wednesday. But in the meantime, we'd love for you to subscribe to the show and give us a like and a share on any of the usual social channels. See you next time.